We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. War College, welcome to the War College. My name is Jesse Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. Uh, Kyle Clement is out doing some apostolic work today. Uh, Dan, welcome to the War College, my friend. Hey, it's great. It's great to be back, Jess. It's great to be back. We're, we're out. We're without the sergeant major today, so it'll be a little more lighthearted. <laughs> uh, what, what do we call him? Baracus. Uh, Baracus. He is the BA bad attitude Baracus <laughs> of the of the spiritual A team. Yes. Hey. Uh, Today's the first day of Ash Wednesday. Uh, time to time to do a deep dive into our Catholic faith, and uh, as Catholics, uh, let's remember that. Uh, why do we do this? We do this because, as Catholics, we want to bring order back into our lives, and that's what that's what Lent helps us do. Dan, talk about the importance of bringing uh, intellectual physical and interior order into our life as it relates to spiritual warfare. Can you give us like a two minute response? Yeah, I, I, I'll respond it through an email that somebody I sent me today that, that he's struggling with lust. And so what do I do? What do I do? Now's the perfect time to deal with it. Um, so on the one hand, to, to battle with the flesh, you've got to mortify the flesh. The inversion of, you know, the the interior faculties are disordered through sin, the original sin, and then the continuation of that through concupiscence. So you got to mortify your flesh. So part of that is church has given us this is the great reset. Lent is the, is the annual reset that we get another shot to say, all right, let me get my stuff back together. I'm a doughboy ranger. I'm a fat boy marine. I'm getting out of shape. I'm going to try to get back into shape. And this is what Lent is all about. So number one, mortify your flesh. Small little sacrifices. And Discipline and prayer, by ordering your life to prayer, set times of prayer, set postures of prayer, genuflecting. Notice how many genuflect in the church that your knee doesn't make it to the ground. That little discipline, you'll catch yourself on those little movements. And it's those little movements that means better success and better spiritual growth. And learning to wield your mind through mental prayer, through discipline. Um, the, so so the, the reordering of the, of, the, of the self through the liturgical season of Lent is fantastic to overcome, whether it's a spirit of lust or whether it's a spirit, you know, other, other sloth or other things that we're all dealing with. Um, so, so the discipline, what we're seeing through our own protocol— uh, uh, is is uh, and Father Ripperker's got a a video uh, two weeks ago on U.S. Grace Force. You can look it up. And he does a better explanation of it, the logic of it, how we do it, why we started it, etc. Of uh, the logic is that that we have found that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the, to the prayers themselves. So the imposition of order combined with a return to the sacraments and the flow of sacramental grace oftentimes can clean up the majority of spiritual issues that people are having. So Lent is a great time for the church. The church in, uh, as a as a body and as individuals to get together to get on our knees and get to work to try to try to get the spiritual flabbiness off us. Dan, I've got three separate emails here from people that have emailed me thanking Libra Cristo, thanking yourself, Kyle Clement, Father Ripperger, 
for uh, for teaching people the whole method of of this prayer protocol. Every single man that's emailed me, and I've got three sitting here, they've told me that when they started bringing order the the order of prayer back into their life, and specifically. They cleaned up their personal life, and they began praying over their family, uh, a family member or two that were showing signs of diabolical affliction. They're saying there was an immediate effect when they started praying uh, in precatory prayers over certain family members uh, uh, as the head of house. And so they're saying it was like clockwork, Jess, just like Dr. Dan Schneider and Kyle teach. It was like clockwork seeing this. I've been dealing with this for years in my house with this one child, with this other child. Once I started, once I brought order back into my personal prayer life, I returned back into the sacraments into a state of grace. And I started praying like the head of the house over my family. There was an immediate pushback, an immediate movement uh, in, in my child or in my spouse in a positive direction. And there was this minimizing of these manifestations that I'd been seeing for years. Three separate emails I've gotten, yeah. Dan, in the last week. Why is that? Yeah. Well, again, um, I, I've used this analogy before. Rogers Rules for Ranging, the original guerrilla warfare manual for, for the U.S. Army Rangers, HUA, right? First rule, all rangers are subject to the articles and rules of war. And so the enemy has rules of engagement. He just doesn't want us to know them. He doesn't want us to know about the rules of engagement. This is a very critical first understanding of, of, of spiritual combat. The, 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 you know, it's like playing baseball. The analogy I use is you're out there playing baseball. You think you know the rules and, okay, I, I got, I got, uh, you just threw four balls. I got to take first base. And the, the devil says, no, you got to have six balls. Well, then you, then you get two strikes and he says, you're out. If you don't, you know, and say, no, I get three strikes. No, the rules are. So the demon tries to change the, the rule or he doesn't change the rules. He he he's the most perfectly ordered creature in the cosmos and he follows the rules perfectly that God established. And so we need to learn those rules. And part of those rules that people are uncovering, particularly through the protocol, is the rules of spiritual authority. Even the gesture, one email recently said, I just this my, my wife is telling me, raise your hand and over me because the demon recognized that remember the rules the demon will yield or not yield according to three things and we're going to beat this until we beat this home until all of us really take in the import this goes down his checklist just like a just like a like a soldier goes down his checklist a demon goes down a checklist and he's going to yield or not yield based on three things number one does a person have requisite authority over the object person or place does he have requisite authority? If he doesn't, he does not have to yield. He might yield by the command of the words, the prayers of them, themselves. He might yield and expose because the person praying outside of authority can be exposed to retaliation. But he will yield or not yield based on authority. Number two, he will yield or not yield based on is the second question is does what is the state of the merit of the soul who is praying? How deep is his or her holiness? And number three, specifically, what are they asking? So, so when we, we have many situations where we have cases of a high-level obsession or possession, where the husband's prayers, the laying on of hands of the husband's prayers on the body of the wife who is possessed, or the woman who has, who has authority over the body of her husband laying hands on his body by, 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 by nature of the marital act, the marital debt. So the laying of the hands of the husband of the wife, particularly, is, is as effective as the laying hands of a priest. 
because the demon responds to that natural law of authority. When I get nervous dealing with cases is when you get a, a husband who's praying prayers of authority and the demon is not yielding. And that's what that's that's when I get I know we're in for we're in for the long haul. You better bring a sack lunch on this case because you've got you've got multiple vectors at work and the and the husband's dirty. He's got to get something cleaned up in his life. Let's go back to some of the questions that I have here, Dan, from uh, people that have emailed, and uh, it's it's a big treat for them to be able to ask these type of questions because they they don't know where to go to. So here it is. Um, <clears throat> the question is. Dan or Kyle, uh, my answer, uh, my question is about breaking the Freemasonic curse. I am a woman who, who told you about the passing of, uh, of an, I don't want to men- mention the person's name, at the Spiritual Warfare Conference. So anyways, I found a Freemasonry video that Kyle gave a few years ago on Liber Cristo. Women cannot do the renunciation of Freemasonry, he says unless no male direct relative can be found. I have two sons who qualify to do it, but they don't believe and think I'm nuts. Uh, so the question is, I had three priests praying for him. So the long and the short of it, the question is, can she as a wife do, she, she knows that there's Freemasonry in the family, can she do the renunciation prayers uh, for her two sons, I guess her two sons are they're no longer live with her. But she said that Kyle said in a, in a video that women cannot do the renunciation unless no male direct relative can be found. So, yeah, we don't know the context of this. Um, so I don't know if she's married, not married, sacramentally married. So it's very difficult. Just the principle that I would return to is going back to rule number one or question number one. Does this person have requisite authority? Imprecatory authority. Remember, we distinguish between imprecatory and deprecatory. Imprecatory authority in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind X, Y, Z. Uh, the deprecatory, may the Lord bind, may Our Lady bind, may, may St. Michael and my guardian angel bind. Deprecatory, invoking binding ligare right um to bind uh to obligare it says to bind around so ligare means one has the right over another in some form or, or fashion according to natural law or divine positive law so to to do imprecatory authority flows through off so that if a priest is doing imprecatory authority it flows through the office of priesthood and under the authority of his local bishop, he even needs permission to pray chapter three or the St. Michael prayer against the fallen angels because of canon law. Canon law so so prescribes that only a priest and a priest so delegated to pray that even that minor exorcism prayer because the, because the church in her wisdom knows these rules of engagement. They've been, we've been battling this enemy from the beginning. So imprecatory authority is going to flow through the husband. So the wife, if the wife does the imprecation the renunciations and they're in the back of this book. Here, deliverance prayers for use by the laity. Um, it's best to, if you're going to do these, talk to your pastor, let him know you're doing these. But most importantly, make sure the husband and wife are doing them together because that, that authority is going to flow through the husband. Will they have effect? They will have if the wife does it. We've seen retaliation and particularly against the marriage when, when you have a wife doing all these spiritual warfare prayers and the, and the husband is just kicking back kicking back, walking, te- watching football, donuts, and, you know, and not engaging in his role. I hear the music. War College, Jesse Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. Spiritual warfare questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. More to come.
to this piece, this weapon of iron and wood, and you will be faithful. <laughs> we just got a soundbite from Kyle Clement's current uh, retreat that he's giving in South Carolina. That was a little clip, what you're missing. <laughs> what, what that comes from is a speech from from a movie and the Marine Corps uh, about the Marine Corps. And the Marines are so crazy that they write a love poem to their. You've probably heard of this, the U.S. Rifle, or I mean the USMC Rifleman's Creed. I mean, I was an Army guy, and I'm very proud of being a Cav guy, but I never wrote a love poem to my weapon or my helicopter. But this is this is their this is an adaptation. You and I have talked about this before. That that you're there's still some discrepancy on on where the original was. I think your brother came up with it. Uh, and then me and a, a, a good friend of mine years ago heard about it. He was a Marine, can't say ex-Marine, former Marine, yeah. and uh, named Tug Burson, a good friend, a good good Catholic warrior. And so we we took either we got it first, or I brother might have got it first. But either way, here's how it goes. Ready? I'd like to hear yep. your brother's version. Yeah. This is my rosary. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rosary is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I master my life. My rosary without me is useless. Without my rosary, I am useless. I must pray my rosary true. I must pray harder because my enemy is trying to kill me. I must feed before he defeats me. I will. My myself know that what counts in this war is not the thoughts we think, the noise of our words, nor the smoke we make. We know that is the hits that count. We will hit. My rosary is human, even as I, because it is, even as I, because it is my life. Thus, I will learn it as my as a brother. I will learn its prayers, its meditations, its mysteries, its novenas, and its promises. I will keep my rosary clean and ready, even as I am clean and ready. We will become a part of each other. We will. Before God, I swear this creed. My rosary and myself are the defenders of my family. We are the masters of our enemy. We are the saviors of my life. So be it until victory is our ladies and there is no enemy but peace. I love it. That's a shout out to all the Marines out there. Yeah, uh, my brother Johnny and, and my brother-in-law Mo on both sides, well, my wife's side of the family, they both gave me kind of a modified version of that years ago, and I'm trying to look for it in my computer. See but, if you can uh, find it, because we had heard about it. I think we heard about it, you were you were talking about it, and then we didn't have the exact one, so we kind of rewrote it. So yeah, but I'll, I think I'll, but I'll, I think again, you want to talk about you. This is this is you might say all oh, all that militaristic language. It's not it's not in that. I don't know. Look at Padre Pio. What did he say to a young novice? Brother, he said, yeah. go get my rosary. Get my, go get my weapon. Bring me my rosary. Right? Our lady, when she reveals the rosary to St. Dominic, she says the rosary is a battering ram. Yeah. A battering ram. It doesn't say the rosary. I love what you always say that you're praying and just rose petals flowing out of your mouth, you know, and just loving embrace and doing, you know, butterfly kisses with God. Hey, that's great. If God's giving you all that stuff, great. But the rest of the time, the rest of us grunts out there, it's a battering ram. We're just going to grind it out and we're going to break down the walls with the rosary. Have you found it? Uh, I'll, no, I haven't found it yet, but I'll, I'll get it right now. I'm sure. You know when you're pressured to find something, you can't find it, and I'll, I'll, I know, I'll right? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get it on the break. Dan, this is but the other question. The rosary is very yeah. you're doing mental prayer, and it and it's and it's and it's it's one of the most important things on spiritual combat is learning mental prayer because it's not just vocal prayer. Vocal prayer, Our Father, Hail Mary. You got to do that. That's the discipline. That's the marching, right? But the double time is in the mental prayer. You've got to learn how to do mental prayer. Because mental prayer, over time, you develop a custody of the mind, of the imagination. 
Because the enemy, remember, the enemy has access to your memories, to your imagination, right? And he can manipulate your emotions through projections. So when you start learning Christian meditation, focusing your your, your imagination and your mind on the mysteries or on the scripture, what, what, what the Benedictine tradition calls Lexio Divina, a slow, methodical, forceful process, you know, uh, read, meditate, pray, contemplate. Right. Working slowly through scriptures, you begin to start you begin to not only begin to learn how to wield your intellect and your faculties in prayer, um, but you also begin to purify those memories because the memories that that the enemy has access to that particularly the ones that he was to. Right. He led you into this or that sin by doing mental prayer. You begin to heal. You you go to the conferences, you see these things about healing of memories, healing of the family tree. You heal the memories by conforming your life to God, to the will of the Father, by conforming your mind, your intellect, your will to Jesus Christ. And no better way than to do it through the one that he, that his most perfect creature, the Virgin Mary, his, his Theotokos, the God-bearer, and she will guide you down this path. And that's how you heal your memories. That's how you purify your memory and learn to wield that in, in a very powerful and as a battering ram. Yeah, you heal you, you heal your memory through constant Christian meditation, like fifteen minutes a day of Christian meditation. Specifically, one of the best things to meditate on is the Holy Rosary. This is the way uh, you know you're 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 healing the mind of all the bad stuff that you've taken in throughout the years. Dan, there's yeah. a second there's a, there's a second question, which is it's almost like the first one. It's just a little bit more detailed. Um, I have. I am not a blood relative of my husband's family who were Masons. Uh, my marriage and children are effective. Can I do the prayers in the back of Father Ripperger's book, even though I'm not a blood relative of my husband's family? So that's you should do them with you should do them with your husband. Yeah, and everyone in the household. Everybody in the household together, but the husband should lead. Would uh, would they do it uh, uh, one day, two day, three days? The the protocol that we've established is doing it three times over the course of say three weeks, and do it in front of a Christian witness. This is why you should go to your pastor first, um, particularly if you if you think there's anything anything might be lingering down there. Some of the effects you'll see in Freemasonry, you're going to see um, um, homosexuality in males. You'll see, or or you'll see a, a, an abject rejection of Christianity. One of the one of the rites uh, rituals they perform at a certain level is to is to trample upon a a, 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 a papal tiara, a papal cross, symbolizing rejection of the authority of the Catholic Church. And remember, the 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 free the Freemasonic uh, um, mantra, so to speak, is against cross and crown, right? Shaking off. Cross and crown, authority, civil authority, and also ecclesial authority. So, so you're not going to counter it by going by counteracting the authority structure that you're that you are in. So, working the husband should lead it. They should all do it together. And I've seen it where entire families come together. Um, we had we had a case where a young woman um, had a traumatic experience at age 16. She was falling into a disastrous life. She she does phase one of the protocol. We do a couple of sessions. Uh, of catechesis, whether the, the, there's free Masonic, there's free Masonic curses active in the family. She, the whole family, husband, dad, mom, siblings, in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, nieces, nephews, everybody is praying these these pronunciations once a week for three weeks. Uh, after she does the protocol, we do these within six 
within within three to four weeks of completing the 30-day protocol, she was delivered of a, 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 a freed of a of a mid-level obsession. Um, horrible. She was what she was suffering had suffered for 10 years because of a traumatic experience. Um, it shows the power to how you break these types of curses. It isn't just saying the words. It's it's the whole family construct opening up the lines of grace to heal that. And and they're pesky. They're very pesky things, and they're they're not easy to get rid of. But it begins with the head of household saying, "Okay, this will not pass. It's going to end here." Awesome. But the family doing it together. Yeah, it, it, there, I've even, I have an email which backs up what you're saying. Uh, there's there's an email where a, a gentleman, father of fam, of a family and a husband, he says, "I purchased a copy of Deliverance Prayers for use by the lady by Father Ripperger." I started uh, going to my den and saying these prayers at night. Uh, throughout this, the context is uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the sons was involved in uh, in 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 the life, uh, doing incantations of a wizard. <clears throat> so he writes throughout this process of praying every few nights or so. I quickly began to notice a pattern. On nights I would pray. Both my wife and my son would tell me how nothing out of the ordinary occurred and how well they slept. On nights I did not pray these prayers, they would tell me in the morning that they had horrific experiences during the night. What made this discovery even more striking is that when I was not telling them when I prayed and when I did not, on some evenings, I would go privately into my den and say the deliverance prayers without any notice, without anyone noticing or telling them what I was doing. So he's just discovered the power of patriarchal authority, the power of being ahead of the family and praying, praying these prayers as head of the house has a very powerful effect to bring this, this, this serenity and peace of mind and tranquility upon the house because one of his uh, sons is dealing with... Uh, the effects of being a wizard or, or witchcraft. This is exactly what you've been saying, Dan, uh, since yeah. I've been having you on the show. Is uh, again, there there is this, there's there is this acknowledgement by the world of, of the spirits of the head of house when he prays, they seed or they recede when he starts praying. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And 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 and, and w just know that the mindset that we have in um, is. That we often think, well, um, the devil's just gone wild. It's like a classroom, you know, um, without without a without a teacher in it. And the kids <laughs> out throwing stuff everywhere. That's a good That's analogy. <laughs> God knows exactly. God is completely one hundred percent in control. He knows exactly, and He is allowing when it, you know when why it's there. He's allowing it is under, under for for a salvific reason, and oftentimes it's to bring the whole family back in you know i'm sitting with a case doing an intake and i'm always thinking in the back i'm always looking with my my peripheral vision who in this familial construct is most construct is most in need uh and most in grave danger salvation who is most whose soul is most gravely in danger and and god often lets one person suffer to be a conduit of grace for the whole family and so we don't know um somebody asked me recently okay so um if we do these prayers, you, you know, we've heard these stories of, of success stories. Uh, can we knock this thing out in a month, two months? And it's it's like a fighter, Jess. You were a fighter. I, you know, uh, I, I didn't have many, nearly as many fights or experiences as you, but I had a few fights, uh, amateur fights. If you go into the fight thinking, all I got to do is survive one round, 
and I can knock this guy out. If you don't, if that doesn't happen in the first round, you go into the second round completely flat-footed. You you have to be prepared. You want to plan on this guy out in the first, second, third round. You want to get rid of him early. You don't want to get tired, go into the late rounds and take your chances with judges, et cetera. But you got to be prepared for a 15-rounder if need be. You know what I mean? So Amen. God, will, when he mines out every ounce of grace from this situation, the demon will go and not no longer sooner. But sometimes it comes very quickly, being very specific in prayer other times the lord is letting more grace and more holiness grow through the suffering in the home um regardless of, of what the entry point was but the, but the point is god is 100 in charge he knows exactly what he's doing hey i find my brother johnny's rifle creed all right i'm gonna compare it to mine okay johnny wrote uh or he gave me this stuff 25 years ago this is my rifle my brother johnny's a former marine <clears throat> there are many like it but this one is mine my rifle is my best friend. It's my life. I must master it as I must master my life. We'll continue. We'll pick it up on the next uh, segment. War College. Dr. Dan Schneider, Jesse Romero, talking about all things spiritual warfare from a monastic, traditional point of view. We'll be right back. That's exactly what this is. This is training. This is spiritual fitness training at the War College. You've got D.I. Dr. Dan Schneider, D.I. Jesse Romero. Uh, we got we got uh, Kyle, Kyle who's, who's doing a retreat. You know, Dan, something very interesting. The, and I've been telling men for years, I'm saying, dude, you got to, you know, you got to clean up your life. You got to take some quiet time for yourself and you got to go on a retreat. So guys will say, retreat, retreat. That's for women. I say, dude, stop it. Retreat is a military term. Look at what dictionary.com says about retreat. Quote, the forced or strategic withdrawal of an army or an armed force before an enemy or the withdrawing of a naval force from action. In other words, a retreat is a military withdrawal so you can regroup. You say, okay, this isn't working. Memo to guys. What you're doing isn't working. Let me try this strategy. Let me bring Jesus into my life and go back into battle. A retreat is a military term. So when you guys get invited to retreat, don't be saying, oh, that's for women. Baloney. It's a military term. Guess what? Because what you've been doing hasn't been working too well. 
And maybe it's time you go to a retreat, withdraw from the enemy, and get right with God, and then go back out there and do battle for your family. Dan, what say you? Yeah, absolutely. I think you need we need to we need to take back these terms. Um, this is from the, so when you do a retreat. Again, we have, we have a retreat. You have a working retreat. We have a board retreat, a planning retreat, and you got your butcher board block paper on the walls. That's not a retreat. A retreat is where you <laughs> go into a monastic quiet solitude, right? Off all the garbage, right? So so you go back. This is not R and R. This is you go back and you get real. You get low with the Lord. This is Saint Benedict. Ex ecce lex sub quad militare vis. Behold the law under which you wish to be a soldier, right? What I say is aimed at you, whoever you are, turning your back on self-will and taking up the mightiest and shining weapons of obedience to become a soldier for the true king, Christ, the Lord. There are men who live as a community, that is, in a monastery, soldiering under the rule book and an abbot. The monastery enclosure and stability of the community are the workshop where we work carefully at these things. It is up to us to set up a school for the Lord's service, right? So this is where you chose to militate. Now, you men out there, you chose to militate as a soldier for Christ if it's marriage as marriage. If you're a priest, you chose to militate as a soldier for Christ as a celibate Roman Catholic priest. Work within that. That's what God wants you to do. So we go back, and, and we have to go on retreat. This is a great time to go on a retreat and, and to regroup, charge, clean your weapon, right? Load some ammo, spiritual ammo, heal your wounds, right? And get, so you can get back in the fight. So, so I would highly recommend it over the week, over the course of this next week. Come to ours. We're, we're doing our training uh, um, uh, the, the 14th, no, the 8th. Yeah, the 14th, the 18th at a beautiful retreat house in South Carolina. Um, come and learn about spiritual warfare as well and, and learn how to learn how to fight back and spend the week there as well. But if you can get a silent retreat, do a silent retreat at a, at a, at a, at a, at a good Benedictine uh, Carmelite uh, or other type monastery. Dan, let me uh, read to you my brother Johnny's uh, the, the, his uh, rifle creed. He says, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My, my rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. My rifle without me is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. I must fire my rifle better. I must shoot straighter than any enemy who's trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me. I will. My rifle and I know what counts in this war is not the rounds we fire, the noises of our burst, nor the smoke we make. We know it. It is the hits that count. We will hit. My rifle is human, even as I, because it is my life. Thus, I will learn it as a brother. I will learn its weaknesses, its strengths, its parts, its accessories, its sights, and its barrel. I will keep my rifle clean and ready. Even as I am clean and ready, we will become part of each other. We will. Before God, I swear this creed. My rifle and I are the defenders of my country. We are the masters of our enemy. We are the saviors of my life. Now, then Johnny modified it to Bible. So my brother Johnny took the Marine Rifle Creed, and he, this is what he wrote. And he sent me this as well years ago. This is my Bible. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My Bible is the word of God, a mighty sword. It is my life. He must, he must be the master of my life while I must submit my life to him. My Bible unread by me is useless as I too will become useless. I must read God's letter. 
I must use my sword in a mortal combat against an enemy who's trying to destroy me. I must stand firm in the word of I must stand firm in the word of God. I will. My Bible says, and I know, that what counts in this war is not the sound of my prayers, the noise of my song, nor the smoke of the altar. We know that we know that it is the word of my testimony and the blood of Christ. I will proclaim. My Bible is a living breath of God. He is my life. Thus I will learn it as a foundation of my life. I will learn of my weakness, my strength in Christ, the grace he has imparted, the access to his throne, and that I am blameless in his sight. I will keep my heart clean and ready for the for the pure in heart will see God. Christ, the word made flesh, has indwelled me. Before God, I make this claim. God's word will endure forever. He is the defender of his children. He is the master over the enemy. He is the savior of my life. So be it. For the enemy is defeated. Victory is his, the Prince of Peace. So Johnny Modifier. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we've got it adapted to the to the rosary. All right, I'm gonna do one more. Way too much shout out to the Marines out there. This is this is the US Army Soldiers Creed adapted for Catholic men. Okay. I'm a Christian soldier. I'm a warrior and a member of a team. I serve my family in the church and live the Catholic values. I always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade or family member. I am disciplined physically and mentally and spiritually tough, trained and proficient in my spiritual warrior task and drills. I will always maintain my mind, my body, and my soul. I am an expert and a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of my soul and my family in close spiritual combat. I am a guardian of spiritual freedom and the Catholic way of life. I am a Christian soldier. There you go. Amen. You this know, is got- Ask Wednesday, man. We got to get some red meat out there. We got to get guys fired up. We got 40 days to do battle, right? Amen. Scripture yeah. says that Jesus went for 40 days to engage Satan. He went deliberately. And the, and the monks more than anybody know, because we can hide. This is part of the, the protocol. Our first phase is you pull back from the internet. You pull back from watching TV, Gilligan's Island, you know, checking out the love boat, uh, you know, eating your dumb, dumb donuts and dilly bar. Get rid of all that stuff and you get serious and you withdraw the senses because in that withdrawal, it forces the enemy out. This is reconnaissance by fire. Reconnaissance by fire is a military or an army term that that the enemy's hiding so deep that he keeps sniping you. So you basically go into the open you let him shoot at you, you look for the muzzle blast, and now you've identified him. So Lent is a time to recon by fire. If you're going to substitute one thing for another and you're going to not withdraw, then you're, you're not going to be you're, – you're, 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 the enemy's going, still going to stay in the wood line. You're going to draw him into battle when you start pulling back. You start mortifying the flesh, you're going to draw him out. And you'll, Again, you can't see him, you can't hit him. So pulling back and doing the discipline helps you see your enemy and see the target. Dan, the first time, the first person I heard the Soldier's Creed from was from Father John Carapi about 20 years ago, kind of a modified version of what you gave, and uh, I copied it, and I kind of modified it, and it's been going around, but hey, whatever works, whatever fires you up, whatever gets you ready for the battle. Dan, another question is, how do you get rid of generational sin if your parents are, are no longer alive, and, no, and you have no contact with any family, and you are a single female? Yeah, so a couple things. One, again, you see some of these pro- these these um, programs that do healing of the family tree and that sort of thing. You really can't heal the family tree. You can only heal family members. And so, and part of the dangers of these is is that you is that some of the modalities include repressed memory recovery, which which um, 
a, a very uh, famous Harvard psychologist expert um, in this field before Congress said called this the greatest um, repressed memory recovery is the greatest travesty to, to happen to the, to the to mental health communities since the lobotomy. So this is a very dangerous practice. So first of all, if you've been involved with that, that's not that is not a Catholic modality. So understanding the, the generational sin, if you have you know grandparents, et cetera, the Catholic way to do it is to have masses said for their souls. Amen. Pray for have masses said for them and then grind, and then grind out um, through through um, uh, there's prayers in the deliverance book that that can be prayed. If it's lingering, go see your parish priest. There's prayers of severing that the priest can pray. Uh, offering sacrifices and reparation for the sins of our ancestors, for our own personal sins that have contributed to this familial sin, just going, going, grinding out and doing combat against it, uh, um, and, and, you know, through prayer, mortification, fasting, uh, um, of course, and doing doing the Freemasonic, doing Freemasonic uh, renunciations as well, but militating against it in a very systematic and deliberate way. Huck, Dan, but Huck, through, the, through the weapons of the Catholic Church. Amen. Dan, how can someone break a curse of witchcraft done to them? Well, first of all, your, your, our protection against curses is, is the sacraments and the state of grace. A, a seasoned witch knows not to curse a holy priest because the curse returns back to them. Um, and, so, and so the holiness... And the state of grace is what protects us uh, against the Hold that thought, Dan. Hold that thought, Dan. Dan. War College. Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. Spiritual worship. Warfare questions and answers. Stick around. You'll hear more. We'll be right back. Here's a good thought for Lent. This is War College. Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. Dan's coming out with a new book from Tan. I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be like a tsunami when it hits the Catholic Church. Everything we're talking about on Wednesdays about the, uh, the the role of a man and a woman, the authority structure, how to pray in precatory prayers, deprecatory. All those questions that are constantly being asked will be answered in uh, Dan's books uh, that are being uh, edited right now. And we'll be coming out through, through 10 books in the next couple of months. Here's a thought for today. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Good thought for today. Dan, we're talking about somebody said, uh, uh, I think I'm being cursed by a witch. Uh, Dan had mentioned that, uh, again, somebody who curses you, if you're in a state of grace... It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's right in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 3. Remember, Abram was in a state of grace. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your land, your relatives, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will find blessing in you. Why was Abraham protected? Because he lived in the state of grace. Dan, continue. Yeah. So, so um, again, state maintaining the state of grace. You, you know, you and I live in the in the desert, right? And so you could. There's been a 20 year drought in the southwestern U.S. So you you could go a year or two 
without a significant enough rain to tell if you've got a leak in your roof. So having a it will hold the rain out, but you, but the water finds its way in. So if a curse gets, if you, you are cursed and you, and it's starting to linger, there's air, then the, the water gets in is because there's an area of vulnerability or you've got your perimeter. You, you know, you've got your fence around your, your ranch and the critters are getting in because you got a low spot in the fence. You got to shore it up. So if, you know, was it, was it the, the curate they are said that the demon is like a, a, a dog on an eight foot, foot leash. As long as you stay outside of the eight foot, you're fine. Sometimes God will give you a little nudge in there, make you make you rattle a little bit and he pull you back out just to shore something up in your spiritual life. Sometimes the curses can can come uh, through generational, like in Mark 9, 21. How long has it been? Has, has he been doing this? And the, the father answered um, since Pidothen, since his early childhood. So what could a child do to 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 how could he, he was unprotected? And what can a child do to to warrant a curse, right? So, so we know that some of these are generational. Um, we refer to the phrase "interactive demonic activity," uh, with, which means uh, it's interactive in the sense that number one, it's a two-way street. It goes back and forth. There's pledges given and, ple- and, and pledges taken, quarter given, quarter taken, but also it's usually bodily. So, so when you read the the the, the free the Freemasonic um, uh, curses. The pledges that the, your ancestors may have made were, may my eyes be split, may my body be rent asunder and given to the birds, etc. It's always bodily. So we combat it backwards. We fight back and we do counter, what's called counter battery in the artillery. You shoot an, you shoot a rifle, you shoot a, a, a artillery piece at us, we shoot one right back at you. So, so um, the counter battery is you, you, we interact also bodily, sacramentally with holy water, with masses being said. Um, confessing with our lips, confessing any sins that we may have done to contribute to this, polishing up the soul, polishing up your shield so that 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 it provides that protection, and trusting it to the Lord. But it's interactive. It's interactive. The curses are always interactive and bodily, and we combat combat it back with bodily things. For example, you're dealing the G, for example, in Freemasonry. One of the things speculated that it stands for is the generative principle. So oftentimes in the, in, in it, it begins to affect the the women in the family line through through um, problems conceiving or problems keeping children. There's a lot of gender issues, gender confusion, uh, cross genderism type stuff, homosexuality as well. And so, how do you counter it back? Today's a good day to start. If you're a married couple, you've got Lent coming up. I mean, starting today, First Corinthians seven: Do not deprive one another except for a time a period of time for prayer. So this could be a good time to abstain from the marital act for you married couples for 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 40 days and counter bodily the interaction that was sexual in nature. You now counter it back through offering your own sexuality for a period of time in prayer. Pope Leo the 13th says Christians are born for combat. That's a good uh, that's a good thing to meditate on for the next 40 days. Dan, somebody uh, somebody emailed. Uh, I have flies in my home. In overabundance, is that a sign of diabolical or superstition, or who knows? Maybe they have a dirty house. I don't know. Yeah, it could, it could just be you got to put your trash away. <laughs> okay, you don't want to always look for the diabolic, right? Okay. You know, yeah. um, you don't want to look for the diabolic. Um, but blessing, you know, when's the last time you you went through and and sprinkled the house with holy water? But did the husband, the head of household, sprinkle the house? 
with holy water? When's the last time you prayed the rosary as a family, right? When's the last time you vacuumed and took the trash out as well? Spiritually, these things are, are very important. Um, and so do everything again, always, always eliminate all the natural causes before you jump and say, Oh no, the demon, because all the demon knows that now you're looking now he knows this guy looks for every, he looks for me under every single rock. And next thing you know, he's running you down rabbit holes and, and dreams and visions and you, everywhere you turn and you're seeing these things and, and always, always go down the checklist of all the natural causes first and then start looking at the spiritual question. If someone had an experience possession never really had an exorcism, but did get close to the sacraments and was healed, is it necessary to get a formal exorcism? Exorcism is, a, is technically a sacramental. Um, and the ordinary means of reconciliation, there's two, a definition of reconciliation, our definition is twofold. The traditional definition of reconciliation is when a soul that has lost the state of grace and therefore lost friendship with God, no longer has meritorious prayers, a complete break in the relationship with God, that soul is reconciled through the sacrament of reconciliation. So, you know, and if you're and you're reconciled with God the Father, now there are those who have been reconciled sacramentally and still are possessed. And so, and so the secondary definition of uh, our definition is reconciliation in the sense of what happens when a church is desecrated through some satanic act like we saw and discussed about a year ago in Louisiana that that altar had to be destroyed and the and the and the sacred space had to be reconciled through the local bishop through a reblessing so the soul is akin to that church that sacred space and the demon's presence there is a violation of the sacred space because that soul belongs by right through baptism to God the Father so that soul needs reconciled as well. If a soul experiences reconciliation, one form or the other, be sure that you know that, that it is gone because the demon can also lay low. The most important thing is to get in a state of grace. We have many cases where somebody's on their deathbed and the demon's manifesting at the end of their life, they're in hospice, and they're called demanding an exorcist. And my response is always, you don't need an exorcist. You need to get your parish priest to go hear this person's confession because you can die possessed and go to state and go to heaven, uh, and you can die non-possessed and go to hell. So the most important thing is getting the soul in a state of grace. So in that particular case, I'd need more information, but but be aware that the demon will lay low if you're not careful. So it would be good um, to talk to your parish priest, do a general confession, ask him what that is, do a general confession, and uh, um, have him uh, you know just do some some simple prayers or simple minor minor exorcism prayers uh, as kind of diagnostic. Amen. St. Joan of Arc once said, In God's name, let us go bravely. Another question, Dan. Does a parent have any kind of spiritual authority over an adult child that is gay? Um, yes and no. And this is an area that, that is constantly being um, asked. So parents have a spiritual authority over the adult children, particularly over the daughters. But once they enter into vocation, they no longer have imprecatory authority. So, But still under the virtue of, of piety, remember the demon follows the natural law structure. And, and so by, by the virtue of piety, 
the child is bound at a certain level um, through filial piety to the to the parents, and therefore the demon is also bound to the bidding of the parents. Now, if the child is in a state of mortal sin in this particular case, and and obviously not in in sacramental uh, vocation, then there is a spiritual authority there, um, particularly fathers and over daughters. Um, but but nonetheless, they still should be praying either imprecatory or deprecatory prayers, particularly deprecatory for the sons. Um, and here, here's what we're seeing um, from the field, that you've got a child in a state of an adult child in a state of mortal sin. You can pray without retaliation and precatory prayers against that demon. But if there are any sort of connections between the parent and the child financial connections, uh, spiritual connections, if you've got the same vulnerabilities as the child and you're doing imprecatory prayers against the child, if they're if you're paying their their cell phone, um, their rent or financial, the demon will use that as a backdoor into you for retaliation. So the safest way is always just to do deprecatory prayers for the adult children. Makes sense. Last one, Dan. If if I had a pub if I lead a public square rosary rally, should I pray the perimeter prayer before we start? Or would this cause retaliation because I don't have authority over the public site? Yeah, exactly. You do not have authority over the city bus, a public site, but you have you, your primitive prayers are on yourself. And you have full imprecatory authority over your place. Imprecatory authority flows to you. I have imprecatory authority over myself and anywhere that I'm at directly. So you can pray the prayer, the prayer for yourself, um, and all can pray that together for themselves. But a priest could pray a, a, a prayer um around the group, but for the individual lay people, it'd be safer just to pray the, the perimeter prayer around yourselves. And we're seeing that getting feedback from in the field from um, the pro-lifers that the imprecatory, I mean, the the perimeter prayer that's in Father's book, uh, particularly um, letter B is my favorite. That one is very effective. It isn't that they're putting a perimeter around the entire place. They're putting a perimeter around themselves and the demon is respecting it. Amen. Well, you've been listening to War College with Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. We're on every single Wednesday. Uh, next week, I think we'll have Kyle Clement. Dan, any parting comments? Uh, we're, uh, we just start, entered into Ash Wednesday. Any parting comments? Yeah, you heard Ash Wednesday. Start, start looking at all the things in the soul that are the, the obstacles to grace in your life. All the things that this is what our protocol does. It starts to identify where is grace being blocked. Think of things like the, the, the hose in the backyard. That's got a kink in it. Water can't flow. So what are the things that you can do to get the water flowing? And and so spiritually, but also physically, do you have stuff in your home that that is not that is not Christian? Get rid of that stuff. Freemasonry regalia from Grandpa. Get rid of all that stuff. Purify the home and the interior home as well. Amen. That's a wrap. War College. We'll see you guys next week. Same same Christ time, same Christ channel. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. God bless you. Keep the faith. Viva Cristo Rey.